Welcome to another episode of Total R&B Podcast. And today I'm super excited. I'm always excited to interview people, but this is someone who I've been following for many years. She is, I say, a heavyweight in the Canadian uh, entertainment industry. Uh, she is the founder of FemFat Entertainment Group. Uh, she is the producer of the Honey Jam uh, concert and program. Uh, she was named one of Canada's 150 women, which you can read about in their book called uh, Conversations with Leaders, Champions, and Luminaries. Uh, she also recently won the Trailblazer Award from SEMA, which is the Canadian Independent Music Association. And you guys, the a list of awards that she has received over the years has been nothing short of amazing. So she's won the Roy Thompson Award of Recognition, the Ontario Volunteerism Award, a YWCA's Woman of Distinction Award for Arts and Entertainment, Manifesto's Toronto Arts Festival Pioneer Award. Um, she won a uh, Special Achievement Award from the Urban Music Association of Canada. She is the recipient of Black Pearl's Cultured Pearl Award for Community Involvement, uh, the University of Toronto Black Alumni Association Award for Arts and Culture. She also won um, and then also a Community Service Award from Ryerson African Canadian Organization and Toronto Sun Women on the Move Award. And that's not even all the awards that she has won. She has been doing phenomenal work in the industry, in the community. So welcome to the podcast, Ebony Rowe. How are you? Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm great. And how are you doing? I'm doing great. I, like I said, I'm excited to speak to you. I've been following your career and just reading your biography and everything that you accomplished is so inspiring. And I just want to thank you for going forth and just doing the work and helping out just so many people along your journey. So thank you so much. Thank you. Um, I do also want to mention that Ebony was born in Montreal. So I feel like yeah. that's a win for us. Even though you were here for like four or five years, I'm still going to claim it. Even though you are Toronto, yes. I'm going to claim the small, the small victory for us. So I thought that was pretty cool <laughs> when I read that. But um, usually I like to start off the podcast asking um, my guests this question. If you could recall your first memory of R&B music. It doesn't have to be the first time you heard it. But maybe your first memory, what comes to mind when I ask that question? Well, it would have to be uh, sometime in the 60s, early 70s. Um, I think it would probably be Marvin Gaye and Ooh. his uh, What's Going On um, album. Yeah. And what kind Marvin of feeling? was king back then. Right. What kind of feelings do you remember listening to like his music or that particular CD or album? Um, it's not just him. It was also uh, like Shaka Khan and, um, you know, Soul Train would have been on mm -hmm. Al Green. R&B was king. And there are so many people now who have redone those songs but the new generation has no idea that, that it's a cover. And they think that these are original songs that these artists are doing. Mm -hmm. But I'm of a certain age and <laughs> I was there at the very beginning, um, you know, when it just exploded and took over. So, uh, yeah, people like Stevie Wonder, like artists 
whose songs have stood the test of time, decades and decades and decades, and still being reintroduced to new audiences. It was real music, real musicians, real singers that knew their craft, not a lot of mm -hmm. studio tricks, right? And um, had a real passion uh, for the music. Um, so you had groups that, you know, like the Temptation, Stylistics, people that would all be dressed in suits and doing yeah. the um, choreography. Then you had someone like a Marvin Gaye, which was more conscious type of R&B music, but also he would do the romantic balladeer type stuff. Um, and you had someone like Ashaka Khan. Um, there were just so many amazing superstar artists. And like I said, Al Green, all of those were soundtracks to a generation. Um, before Spotify and YouTube and the internet and all of these things, um, it was really bonding and so special uh, to feel that music. And as Black people, we owned it. And um, yeah, it, it's it's a very warm feeling, a very soulful feeling, mm -hmm. and so much melody, and uh, you know, singing along. Back in the days of slow jams, you know, the Commodores yeah. and people like Barry White. Um, yeah, I'm really dating myself, but that but was the, that was the foundation. No, but it's true. And I like that you said a couple of things. Because first, I feel like we don't really have too many singers that have has that tone, like a Barry White. Like we have Giveon now, but we don't really hear that tone anymore. And another thing you said, too, is like um, these artists built the foundation and they, they put the work in and there was no gimmicks. There was no tricks. Um, a lot of that reminded me, like you said, of Motown. But then also what you do with Honey Jam, too, because I feel like Honey Jam gives the artist kind of like a crash course on the music industry and different um, different things that they should take on their journey with them or open them up to different uh, ideas that maybe they didn't think about because sometimes mm -hmm. we just focus on one part of it. We don't realize that there's like 10 other aspects to it. So did you include some of that um, in your program as well? Like thinking back to like maybe the opportunities that artists had back in the day, especially when it comes to like artist development? So I'm kind of like a mama bear. Okay. And if you think about your parents and, you know, they'll say things like, when I was your age, I had to walk 10 miles trudging through fields and mountains and all that. So uh, those are the times when I just need to remind them of what it's like to pay dues, what it's like to exist in a time before all of the amazing uh, tools that they have at their disposal, all of the technology. Um, so I don't spend a lot of time with that because it's, it's not a time that they remember or that they are aware of, but mm -hmm. I do want them to know the history of music and to spend some time doing some research and looking at the careers of some of these artists and how they had that staying power you know, uh, and uh, study some of their songs. And why are they so popular now 50 years later, you know, and how many of the artists of their generation 
are going to have that same staying power where we're going to be listening to them. So, yeah, I definitely share some of my experience. No, I love that. And I think it's it's really important to and I found, I guess, maybe starting at the pandemic with all the DJs going live, um, a lot of them play old school music or what's considered old school music, which I thought it was great for me because that's how I find it. It's like school for me because yes. they'll play the original track and then I will hear the song that I thought was original. And I'm yeah. like, OK, no. Or samples from mm-hmm. those originals that a lot of the hip hop artists are using now. Definitely. Um, I also wanted to take it back a bit because um, reading about the work that you've done, you've done a lot of uh, community work. Uh, you worked for other organizations as well as built your own. So I want mm-hmm. to know uh, why is community work so important for you? Um, it's how I was raised. So both of my parents, Uh, were very involved in the community. Uh, My father, so our family is from Barbados, and my father came from Barbados to Montreal, where he studied at McGill and got a couple of degrees at McGill. And then he worked as a student liaison officer for um, students from the Caribbean that were coming over uh, into Montreal and to helping them um, get sorted out creating a community, working with the Negro Community Center. Um, So it's kind of all that I know. And then uh, he married my mom in Barbados, brought her over, and then she had three kids. And we were just raised in that environment. Um, And then as we got older, my mother got more involved in community work. So it's everything that I was raised in. Okay. And that I genuinely believe from a child. Uh, We would volunteer at different organizations and help out and just always be encouraged to help others. So it's always been important. It's part of my DNA. And so, uh, of course, that helped you uh, create the Honey Jam concert and program. So if you could tell, because I think that's such an interesting story, how it came about, if you could tell us, um, how you got to the point of creating uh, Honey Jam as a yearly event. Okay. So another uh, inspiration for me in, in um, being involved in community is Malcolm X, who I discovered at the age of 12, reading the autobiography of Malcolm X. And he talks about getting things done by any means necessary, no excuses, And he also says, when you see a problem, as you're pointing the finger at others, look back at yourself and ask yourself, what are you doing to be a part of the solution? And I really took that to heart because a lot of people are, you know, backseat drivers, keyboard activists, and sit back and talk a lot and do nothing. Uh, Mm -hmm. They don't walk the talk. And so that's always been something that inspired me to um, make a difference wherever I could and not just complain, not just play the victim and not wait for someone else to fix it. To that end, mentor program for at-risk Black youth. And then out of that came um, Honey Jam. It's a bit of a long story. Um, 
I was hanging out with teenagers. They were all listening to gangster rap, which a lot of it can be quite misogynist. And um, I approached the biggest hip hop DJ in Canada. We did a radio show about it, a three hour radio show talking about that. The editors of a magazine asked me to edit an all-female issue of their magazine talking about these issues. And then we had the rap party when the issue came out and called that event Honey Jam. And that's all it was supposed to be. And then everyone said, when is the next one? It's like, wait, what? What are you talking about? This is what I do. And I thought, okay, well, Everyone loved it. There seems to be a need. Let me do it for a year and see where it goes. And here we are 27 years later. Wow. No, that's truly amazing. But I, I wanted to know because, you know, you took the initiative to go and, and you know, find a solution to the, to the problem that um, you were hearing about. Did you receive any pushback from that being like a woman and, you know, the hip hop? Yes. At that time was a very tight boys club. Yeah. And I wasn't known in the scene. I wasn't a groupie. I wasn't, um, shall we say, paying the cost of entry (laughs) into that club. And I was kind of unapologetic and I have a strong personality. So that doesn't always go over well. I, I didn't know my place. And I ha- I dared to challenge um, the status quo and how women were portrayed. And many in the hip-hop community saw it as an attack and a criticism. Um, and they thought because we were pro-women, it meant we were anti-male, which is absolutely not um, not the point but they weren't getting it. Um, I mean, this is almost 30 years ago. So it's a different world now. There's a much yeah. more of a consciousness about rape culture, about what consent means, about respect, about the whole Me Too um, movement that men are starting to understand the things that are not appropriate. But back then it was a little controversial and there were people that were working against us and telling uh, companies not to sponsor us and things like that. Um, But eventually we won them over. I mean, I was even physically threatened with violence for... Really? um, Yes. (laughs) Yes. So, yeah, it was a lot. But... um, yeah, by any means necessary. <laughs> yeah, you have to uh, just keep pushing through. And uh, now I, I do believe we're definitely respected for the work that we're doing. Um, it started really uh, about hip hop, hip hop and R&B. And then um, as we grew and as people like Nelly Furtado came through the program, um, it's now all genres of music. Yeah, because when I first um, just read the story of you approaching the DJ at the radio station, at mm. first I was like, oh, yeah, you know, she's like fighting the good fight. Like, I wasn't really thinking about it because I'm thinking about it in today's context. But right. Then when I really sat back and I'm like, wait a minute, this was like in the 90s. Like, this was a whole different 
culture. Like, yeah. Now the DJ was great. The DJ is DJ X. He was very progressive. And he just was like, here, take my three hour show. You produce it. Wow. You know, I'll just be there in a supportive role in the station, but you know, do what you need to do. So he was awesome, you know? So yeah, there are definitely men who have been allies and supporters along the way. Uh, but we did have some rough patches for sure. Wow. Well, thank you for taking that step because like you said, you put yourself in a, in a place where, you know, you were receiving those threats and, and possible like attacks and stuff like that, but you've basically changed the game and helped change the lives of so many artists. Did you know uh, right off the bat when they were telling you like, when's the next honey jam, like that it would have such a huge impact on artists here in Canada? Absolutely not. I had no idea. I knew that there was nothing else out there. And that's why they were so desperate for it to keep going, mm -hmm. you know, um, because we were featuring women doing things in a male dominated area. So women who were MCs, break dancers, graffiti artists, DJs that were afraid to go to um, uh, an all male concert. They didn't think they would be let in the door as anyone other than a fan. They didn't think they would be taken seriously or treated with respect. So for the first time, here's this platform that is made for them, that is created to support them and to shine a spotlight on them finally. And so one night was, was not enough. Well, I'm happy that you kept going um, because, again, you're celebrating 27 years that you've been mm -hmm. doing this, and that is a huge deal. So, again, I can't say it enough. I'll probably be saying it throughout the whole interview, but thank you so much for just continuing to, to grow Honey Jam as well. Um, I also wanted to know about that, like the earlier years, I guess, in the industry, in Toronto's entertainment industry, because a lot of people look at Toronto as the New York of Canada. So being there in like the early stages of everything growing and us having some of the biggest artists come out of Toronto, how was that the early years working within the entertainment industry? From my perspective, there was more community and more love and less competition than there is now. Mm -hmm. um, and I miss those days. It was very, very heady times and very exciting times and so much talent. And there was no formula because there weren't a lot of people who were breaking through, you know? So I guess Maestro would have been the most successful mm -hmm. uh, at that time. Um, but there weren't a lot of people. There's no internet. I can't stress to you how important that was. I mean, when we would have auditions from people from outside of Toronto, they would be sending it in on a VHS tape by FedEx Courier. <laughs> um, it was a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, the, People were more free, I think, to experiment mm. with a lot of fusions between different genres and uh, a lot more collaborations without 
thinking they had to fit into a certain box to get played on radio or uh, to get on a concert lineup. It was, it was a lot more free and we were all a lot younger. <laughs> so uh, there was a, a camaraderie and um, it, was a, it was a beautiful time to be in the community and with programs like uh, Fresh Arts as well. Um, the people like Cardinal and I believe Socrates and Chaclair and all of them would have participated in Motion, Tara Chase, Tara and Motion, also our Honey Jam alums. Um, so very much a family. Uh, everyone's supporting each other. Uh, Mishimi, of course, back mm -hmm. there at the very beginning as a groundbreaking trailblazer so young as a teenager and as a woman in this industry um, and just breaking through and keeping on uh, pushing. I wonder too, from that, because you were talking about like community and everybody helping each other. When I speak to like some artists now, like they feel like there's not that many outlets for them um, mm -hmm. to, you know, either do interviews or to perform and different things like that. Do you, do you have maybe an idea as to why there's not that many outlets for like maybe R&B and hip hop artists here in Canada? Um, I think you have to create your own opportunities. You have to create your own buzz. Everyone now basically has their own broadcast center with social media. Like it's really hard. The artists of today have so much more than what we had mm -hmm. in the early times of when we started. You know, you can be, you have a, a, a free travel ticket in the internet where mm -hmm. the whole world can access your music. Whereas in the early 90s, you'd have to mail it. You'd have to mail it to individual people. Like it's just insane to think about it. Um, so yeah, I, I think that people need to understand about paying dues. This is, I think the new generation is maybe a little bit entitled. <laughs> <laughs> and used to quick things, mm -hmm. used to instant things. Um, and that's the way the culture is. They want to go viral. They want instant fame. And, and sometimes that happens to people. But there's also hard work. There's also learning your craft and studying it and being good and giving people a reason to tell your story. Right. Like you can't just think, oh, I'm good. I should be featured. Mm -hmm. You have to do the work and also understand there are millions of people who are talented. What's making you stand out? And it's harder now for anyone to get media um, because it's a celebrity driven culture. Yeah. And so it's very hard for an unknown to get featured. You have to have a story about you. 
But like I said, everyone has their own broadcast center with all of the social media platforms, all of the streaming services. Be creative. Be creative. And I tell all artists, don't be in this business unless you cannot not be in it because it's not easy because so many people have talent. All you have to do is watch some of those um, talent reality shows, right? And you find out that the garbage man can sing like Pavarotti. (laughs) There is no shortage of talent. So you have to bring something different that's going to resonate with people, that's going to capture people's imagination, that's going to connect with people, right? And I don't know that enough people are doing that. Um, And I think in terms of the genre, hip hop is the biggest selling music in the world, I believe. Yeah, it is. So, um, but sometimes what tends to happen is uh, there'll be one or two stars and then everybody will focus all of their time on that and nobody's developing the new set of stars. I think that's one of the things that's missing is artist development. Mm -hmm. And they kind of want you to come already packaged. I don't know that there is the money anymore or the personnel or even the interest to do that work. They want to find someone who's going to be worth their time and money just like that. Not that they're going to have to groom for years and years before they can see a return, right? It's all about the Benjamins. (laughs) No, definitely. Yeah. You have to come with leverage, whether it's number of followers or a bunch of people who are interested in you. You really can't sit back and wait. Do everything that you can. Go to music conferences, network, you know, all over the world. Do the work. It's, it's, It's not that difficult with all the tools that you have right now, but you have to keep at it. You have to keep at it and putting out content and getting people interested in who you are. No, I definitely agree. You you dropped a lot of gems um, just in that alone, because I, I do agree. A lot of people um, don't put in enough work. They feel like they should receive, you know, the, the record deal immediately or receive mm-hmm. like followers immediately, but they don't understand the amount of work you have to put in to, you know, create your career and get people involved and interested and invested in you. Um, Cause I even read for you when you were doing um, you were working a job, you had your mentorship group and then you started the project with the, the radio show, but you would be like up at five o'clock in the morning, working on things, going to work. Mm-hmm. And then after work, you'd be working on your other projects as well. And then you also had to work through the weekends and then sometimes not, not having a life. Yeah. Like if you wanted to be my friend, you had to be involved in what I was doing. And the same thing with my family. Um, For me, it took that level of focus to just put my blinders on, put my head down and just get it done. But I never saw it as a sacrifice because I loved doing it. Mm -hmm. It brought me so much fulfillment, especially when I saw that it was making a difference. And so that propelled me. And when the artists would talk about the impact of it for them and what it meant for them, 
those are the things that kept me going, wanting to do more, achieve more, set up more, and to have had a reason for being on this earth, you know? No, definitely. And then speaking of like the hard work that you put in and, and everything that you do. So we've been in this pandemic for like, I don't even know how long anymore. Too long, too long. That's the answer. <laughs> it's all jumbled uh, together for me. But in 2021, you did have um, in-person auditions, online auditions. You had uh, people that got into the program um, meet with producer Doc McKinney, Fifi Dobson, um, the artist Charmaine as well, Vivian Barkley from Warner. You had songwriting camp in Nashville. You had workshops, panel discussions. Of course, uh, the concert did happen as well. So how were you able to navigate all of that during this time, especially with the government always changing our restrictions and what we're allowed to do or not allowed to do? Like, how, how did you do that? <laughs> It was not easy. Um, like many other people, I it was depressing to have that happen, to not be able to freely plan things, to have all of these protocols to go through, to plan something and then have it be canceled again and again and again. Um, it really wears down on your spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, and what helped me uh, snap out of it was um, seeing the mental health issues that some of the artists were dealing with, uh, not being able to perform, not being able to collaborate. Um, and so, and I was feeling that way as well, not to do with performing, but just getting things done. I mean, for everyone, it was and continues to be a challenge. So I just took all of that anxiety and um, worry and frustration. And it's like, okay, instead of thinking about what we cannot do and being upset about what we can't do, let's look at what we can do. And for me, it was important to have that human connection. So everybody else was doing the online stuff. And I thought, okay, that's covered. And I would let the artists know whenever there were opportunities to participate in free Zoom events, et cetera, and performances. But I wanted us to go the extra mile and do the in-person. So I would watch the Twitter feed of the people who make those decisions. And the minute that they said, you can gather with 10 people, I organized something for 10 people. And when they said you can have 20 or 25, that's what we would do. Um, so, you know, it was less people that were able to gather, mm-hmm. but and then we would just rotate. And mm-hmm. because uh, we were so short on the numbers, so normally I would have a photographer uh, and a few volunteers helping out and different other people other than the artists. But in order to have as many artists as possible, the artists had to work the events as well (laughs) so that they could be there. Um, So I didn't have somebody else as staff taking their spot. And it was all hands on deck. Everybody pitched in and we just made it work. I do believe where there's a will, there's a way. 
you know, it sounds like a cliche, but it's really true. And that you just, you keep pushing. <laughs> and I, I, I saw a lot of people give up and just cancel things. And I thought like for me as a woman and as a black woman and someone who's had to deal with so many hurdles, it's not an option. <laughs> like it, it's, it just never occurred to me that we were just going to sit in a corner and take a nap and wait yes, for things to get to where they were before. It's like, let's do what we are able to, when we are able to, and continue to grow as the protocols allow us to do more. But doing nothing was not ever a thought in my mind. No, I I love that. And it also reminds me too when you said how, you know, you were influenced by by Malcolm X. So I feel like him, if he were here during this time, I don't think the pandemic would stop him from doing what he needs to get done. Not so, at all. Yeah. You think of the ancestors as well. And you know, you think of other people in other countries and the struggles that they face, and you think, you know, suck it up. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. So we were warriors. We just had that warrior spirit and it was infectious. You know, so all of the artists, they just joined us in that. And we found a community of people that just were not going to roll over for this virus. And we worked together to make those events happen. So with everything that you've done so far helping a woman, a Canadian woman in entertainment and even beyond because you also have a honey jam in Barbados as well. Um, what would you like to see for, for women artists, either artists or people working behind the scenes in the industry? What would I like to see? Well, I'd definitely like to see more stars come out of, of Canada. Um, it's a very fickle uh, business. I mean, there are um, some acts that are super popular and making trillions of dollars. And I listen to their music and I'm like, but why though? <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. and then there's super, super talented artists that get overlooked and you just never know what the formula is. Yeah. And there's a lot of gimmickry going on for things to go viral, whether it's who you date or getting into trouble with the law or whatever you do to get your name out there and get people curious and interested about you that has nothing to do with the music and that the music is almost the least of what it is that you're presenting um, to the public. Um, I, there is no magic answer. Yeah. You can be in a huge group, like if you look at the other two artists in Destiny's Child, right? Mm -hmm. And how much more exposure do you need than that? <laughs> and yet their careers never really uh, blossomed in, in a big way where they're touring and filling stadiums or anything like that. Yeah. And after all of that exposure and being at that level, so then what is it like for an emerging artist? who has none of that, and then to try to get there. So um, so I, I encourage the artist to study 
the artists that they admire, the artists that they would like to emulate and see what their trajectory was, Mm -hmm. but also to be their individual selves. Um, It saddens me that artists are now expected to be this product that can sell makeup, that can act in a movie, that can have a clothing line, that can have a fragrance. And there's all of this pressure on them to do all of these things that are unrelated to music um, in order to get certain levels of support. Um, So I'm just old school in that way, kind of a purist in that way. Um, But I'd like to see some more true artistry that turns the world on its head that you can get excited about, you know, that would be like electricity in the room, like not just flashes in the pan, someone who wants to get into the industry for a few years, make some money and then go off and do some other um, endeavor, but Mm -hmm. a true, true artist. I think the world needs that right now. Um, artists that will become icons that we'll be talking about decades from now and that will produce music that will heal the world. I am missing music that has that type of impact. You know, I think when people think about music like that, they think about the 60s and the 70s and, you know, the flower children and the, you know, Black power movement and, you know, James Brown singing I'm Black and I'm Proud and just how pivotal that was and how songs literally, it felt like they changed the world, that they started a movement or supported a movement or were the soundtrack of a a movement. And um, so I miss that. I, I believe in social activism. And so that's what I like to see. I mean, I, I love a great hip hop song as well. I like beats and, and all of that, but um, I also like purpose, like things that have a purpose. Um, And I, I don't think there is enough of that right now. I don't think anyone is leading in that way. And I guess they don't really see it as commercial Um, because the generation that's buying the music, they might not be interested in that. They might be more interested in a selfie or in getting injections in their lips as teenagers, you know, like that Kardashian culture, right? Um, Yeah, that's the world that we live in. And so that's being reflected by the artists who, you know, I'd like to see some more conscious music and uh, more success, more originality, um, collaborations. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm totally here for all that you said. I listened to a lot of old school music, even though I wasn't born during that time. I, some t- I, for some reason, I gravitate towards it. It makes you feel something. So I'm hoping for the same thing as well, um, especially in the industry and our Canadian artists um, get that recognition as well. Um, Before we start the R&B trivia, I did want to ask just one more question. Um, What do you want or what's your ultimate goal with everything that you're you're doing? So when Honey Jam started, 
I was asked exactly that question. And I said, what I consider success and what my goal is for us not to need to exist because it would no longer be necessary to need an organization specifically for women because we would have an equal playing field and there would no longer be the uh, disparities, whether it's in pay or what is expected or in support or whatever it is. And that if we did exist, it would be because we wanted to. Mm-hmm. And it was just, you know, not because of n- needed advocacy. So that is still what I would like to see. And I had hoped that we were making a certain amount of progress until I saw Jesse Reyes's um, gatekeeper video that talks about the rampant sexual harassment and assault that goes on knowingly um, with support from other people in the industry. And I actually cried when I saw that video. And it just broke my heart that it is still happening on the level that it is happening. Um, So, yeah, I want to see more women behind the scenes. I want to see more women musicians and uh, engineers, producers. And we are definitely seeing that Um, Mm -hmm. progress is being made. Um, And the more women, I think, that start to rise, they become decision makers. And then a lot of the barriers that held women back and made things unfair uh, should start to disappear, right? I feel the same way about race, uh, gender, different identities and cultures. Once we all claim spaces, that we're able to make decisions and have power and choice start to disappear. But if there's only one culture, one gender in charge of everything, it's not going to change under those um, circumstances. Definitely. I think we might be around for a little bit longer (laughs) in terms of of working towards those goals. But... um, I'm definitely encouraged by what's been happening so far. No, definitely. I agree. I've been paying up more attention to uh, with everything that's going on behind the scenes. So with different um, organizations like Advanced and um, the talks with, uh, I think it's breaking down barriers and different mm-hmm. things like that, that are, you know, shedding some light on what's happening and then also moving forth, um, making a change as well in the industry. So I'm hopeful um, that changes are happening uh, slowly but surely. But And we yeah. have to normalize that, right? We have to normalize it. So like sometimes um, uh, a father might be commended for babysitting his children. It's like, no, those are your children that yeah. you help to make and that you need to raise. So we shouldn't make a big deal to applaud mm-hmm. him for doing that. You have to normalize it so that it just becomes a natural thing to do. So I feel the same way um, in terms of, 
you know, I, like I don't, I want to stop hearing the first woman this or the mm-hmm. first black person this or the first Asian person that. Um, it should not be an anomaly or something odd. It should just be like, of course, there is a woman of color who is the vice president of the United States. Why is that a big deal? Well, we know why it's a big deal, but we have to stop making it seem like it is so that it isn't something odd. It's just, it's just weird people who are qualified. It should be a meritocracy and that's how it should work. So let's even out the playing field. Let's adjust things and make sure that there is that representation. And then let's take the training wheels off and just let people be good human beings and see what happens. Totally, totally agree with that. Thank you so much for those words. Um, we're going to get into some R&B trivia. I made it um, <laughs> Canadian edition. Maybe <laughs> So it shouldn't be that bad. So let's start off with the first question. So hopefully this is starting off easy. Uh, So this R&B Canadian singer released her debut EP in 2020 called Opia. I do believe that might be a Honey Jam alum by the name of Savannah Ray. Yes. Okay. See, not bad. Um, Which Canadian artist is known as Canada's queen of R&B and soul? I believe that could be another Honey Jam alum, Julie Black. Yes. All right. Um, In 2005, uh, this Canadian R&B artist had a radio hit titled Old School Love. Isn't that Julie as well? Give me a hint. Is it a woman? Yes, it is a woman. Okay. This is all this is all women. Okay. Um, what else can I say without giving it away? You can make it easy for me. <laughs> you don't have to give it totally away. Okay, so I guess her initials for her name, there's two, a first and a last, is D B. Dinosh Bennett? No. Is it Debbie? No, not Debbie Cox. Okay, just tell me. <laughs> it's uh, Divine Brown. Oh, Divine. Yes, Divine. Love her. Okay. Um, which Canadian R&B artist has albums titled A New Day, More, A Beautiful Surprise, and Between Friends? I'm drawing a blank. I feel embarrassed. <laughs> Don't feel embarrassed. Okay, so the Canadian singer is Tamia. Ah, okay. Okay, next question. So we have two more. But that's uh, hard. If you had said um, she debuted with Quincy Jones, like something like that, that everybody knows, because okay. Tamia never crossed over really into superstardom, household mm-hmm. word where people would know the names of the albums. Like you okay. have to be a real music nerd to know the names of the albums as opposed to the hits that they, um, they have. came out with. Yes. That is true. I'm so that is a tough one. <laughs> okay. So this might be another tough one as well. Um, uh, this Canadian uh, R&B star was in a group alongside Drake called The Renaissance. 
That is She's huh? also a Honey Jam alum as well. Is it Shy Wisdom? No, it's not Shy Wisdom. Um, she did cross over to the U.S. Is it Melanie? No, not yes, Melanie. It was <laughs> Melanie Fiona? Mm-hmm. She was mm-hmm. in a group with Drake? Yes. Yeah. I had no idea. Yes. Are you sure? I am 100% positive because I was Is shocked she... when she said that in an interview. I was like, what? Yeah. Just because the, the, the age difference, the era difference. Mm-hmm. I think she did Honey Jam in, was it 1996? I think it might have been 1996 or something. And she was in a girl group back then okay. um, as a teenager. But yeah, I didn't think they would be at the same, uh, you know, the same era. Okay. Yeah. Cool. No, I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. So she was. She was a part of a group with Drake. So yeah, that was love Melanie. She just had a beautiful baby girl. <laughs> yes. Yes. She's fantastic. No, she's uh, amazing. One of my favorite singers. Um, so last question. Um, this uh, Canadian R&B artist once worked as a background singer for Celine Dion and also played Whitney Houston in the musical The Bodyguard. Oh, my goodness. Is this Deborah Cox? Yes, it is. Woo! I got it. I got it. <laughs> so you got four out of six. So that is pretty good. I should give you an extra point because the Tamiya question was a difficult one. It right? was. It was. Right. So we could bump that up to five out of six. Okay. Uh, that, was, that, was a, that was a tough one. But I want to thank you so much, Ebony, for taking the time out to speak with me today. I, you don't know how much I appreciate this. Like I said, I heard about the honey jam years ago. I was young. I, I didn't know. Basically. You're still young. <laughs> yeah. But I, I just, I didn't know the impact um, that it had. I just thought it was just super cool what you were doing because I love music and I also wanted my sisters sing. So I wanted them <laughs> to always be a part of the program. One of them actually ended up doing it a few years ago. So yeah, thank you so much for all the work that that you're you're doing. It's it's amazing and it's very inspiring to watch. You're welcome. This was fun. I hope the listeners enjoy uh, the podcast as well. Thank oh, you. and um, you know, people can reach out to us, follow us at the Honey Jam our website, honeyjam.com. And we should have have auditions um, coming up in June. So we just have to watch our Mm -hmm. socials for the info. And the social is at the Honey Jam? At the Honey Jam is our IG and the website is honeyjam.com. Perfect. Thank you so much. And thank you to everybody listening to the Total R&B podcast. Please remember we are a bi-weekly podcast, so we will be back in two weeks with another guest on the show. Thank you so much, uh, Ebony, once again. Thank you.